Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. All right, Tom Brady, a big letdown. But on the bright side, Mac Jones was okay, and the rookie quarterbacks had a strong week four. We're going to talk about that, plus give you some injury updates and more big topics, including the next breakout at each position right now on Fantasy Football Today. I am Adam Azer with Chris Towers. First thing we'll do is we'll recap Tampa Bay 19 and New England 17. And then we will give you the news and then get into our five big topics when Jacob Gibbs joins us in a little bit. Oh, right, Chris. That was a, you know, like I basically just take my fantasy temperature by Tom Brady's performance. So I'm a little salty today. A little salty. (laughs) Crap. Uh, Yeah. The the Tom Brady for Saquon Barkley trade has not worked out for you so far. (laughs) Well, the one I didn't make, or would have, right? Yeah, but the I, hypothetical table pounding that you made about having to take Tom Brady over Saquon Barkley didn't work out this week. But look, it's a long season, right? It and is. it's hard to find good quarterbacks. And a nuanced, it was a nuanced argument that never we all gets. knew coming into the season that Sam Darnold was going to be a top six quarterback, and you had to draft him. Well, he's only top six in four point smart ass. Oh, okay, my mistake. Yeah. My mistake. <laughs> because Seven. he has he in has five. Now. Rushing touchdowns. He is the first quarterback in NFL history with five rushing touchdowns in his first four games. That's All right. amazing. Uh, you know, actually, I don't know where to find this. This should not be so hard to find. Okay. T- time of possession. NFL time of possession. You know where to find that? I think that's on the for like official box scores for the game. No, no, no. For the season. Oh, um, I bet I can find that on. Tr- has that on I don't pages, think they I think. do. I, I, I don't think they do. Uh, I'm on this website. It's like my homepage, Pro Football Reference. Uh, nope. They, I thought they did. They don't. It's amazing. I would love to know what the Seahawks' time of possession Average is. Average drive time is there. Oh, what's that like? Traffic? No traffic in the morning? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How long it takes to get to the stadium? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, drive averages. That is helpful. Um, no, what was really amazing, we're going to talk about the Seahawks, so we have a question about Tyler Lockett. Their time of possession is staggeringly low. They had a game, an overtime game against Tennessee. It went down to the wire. They had the ball for like 22 minutes in that game. So uh, they've run the second fewest plays in the NFL. We will get into all of that a little bit later. What were your major takeaways from Tampa Bay and New England? Let's start with the Patriots. Um, what you know, I'll just open the floor to you, sir. Your major Patriots takeaways. Um, I don't know how much value Damian Harris has. I I know obviously this was a bad game and it was coming off a bad game, but he 
he's really only had like one really good game running the ball. And that was week one. And I think he only ended up with like 11 fantasy points because of the fumble. Then week two, he had the touchdown, but it was only like 60 something yards. Last two weeks, he's been really bad. And I, I think he's a good runner. I don't think this offensive line is particularly good right now. And they, I think they, in the running game, at least, I think they clearly miss what Cam Newton brought to the table as far as opening things up for them. Because, you know, we saw Damian Harris average five yards per carry. We saw Sony Michelle average 5.7. I think Harris is down to 3.3 for the season now. And it's just, it's not as good of a situation as we hoped for, for Damian Harris coming into the season. And it's game scripts, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and although Houston this next week. wasn't really, in terms of how the game played out, it wasn't as bad for uh, Damian Harris as we expected. They just smartly yeah, right. realized that there was no point in running the ball against them, which is what Dallas did in week one. Right. right. Um, yeah. You know what he is. He's, he's, uh, he's going to, he needs to be in a situation where he's going to get a, a lot of work and hopefully can score. But I think you can start him in week, I mean, I'm going to start him in week five against the Texans. Yeah, I think he'll be a he'll be in the top thirty at running back for me for sure. But um, he's on a pretty bad offense. You know, this mm-hmm. is an offense that's averaging right around three hundred. I think it's like three hundred five yards per game. Um, they're actually scoring fewer points per game than they did last season. They're down to seventeen point eight, and so yeah, it's um it's not a great situation for a guy who really doesn't catch many passes. Um, so he kind of needs to have touchdowns to to have upside. I think he's usually going to be a pretty safe bet for like six to eight points per game. And whether he's like a top 24 running back is going to depend on whether he finds the end zone. Yeah. Now, there is one other thing. I mean, he played so many snaps and he ran a ton of routes, but it was actually Brandon Bolden who had a lot more involvement in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting thing. I, mean, I don't think we should just dismiss Brandon Bolden. He is 6% rostered. Uh, yeah. He had six catches for 51 yards. Now, again, they... Barely ran the ball. I don't remember how many rushing yards they had, but it was uh, 10? They had negative one. For the game? Yes. Oh, Nelson Aguilar had, I think someone pointed it out, he had negative 400% of their rushing yards. Because <laughs> he had four, and the whole team had negative one. All right. So, listen, th- this was an interesting game script where Mac Jones threw 40 times, although he has been throwing the ball 39 or more times in three or four games. But Bolden had six catches, and somebody's got to fill that role uh, it's unfortunate that Harris couldn't have more catches considering all the routes he ran. But Bolden is someone that I actually already have picked up in a couple of leagues because I had so much James White. And I think he might be a very poor man's version of James White, but someone in a pinch as the bye week start in week six in a pinch you can uh, maybe use in PPR. Um, Jacoby Myers with another really good game. No James White again. And that's 12 targets and 14 targets in the last two games without White. White got hurt early <clears throat> in week four, uh, week three, sorry. So... You know, you could probably and just just plan on using him in PPR. At least I, nine yeah. targets. At least nine targets in each of the three losses. Right. So, so, so we'll see. I mean, maybe he's maybe he gets screwed next week against Houston. But um, yeah. I think going forward, you know, you could have a pretty reliable PPR guy there. Now, as far as the Bucks go, you know, I'm sorry. Just give me a thirty second thought on the tight ends. Both Smith and Henry caught touchdowns. If they catch touchdowns, they'll be fine. But I don't think this is going to be an offense that throws a lot of touchdowns, so I don't think you can really rely on them. They are touchdown or bust tight ends. I was hoping they'd be more, but clearly those guys are not the focal point of the offense that I hoped they would be. I actually thought they might lead the team in targets, both of them, and it's clearly not the case. So they are 
I think they'll probably be within fifth between 15 and 20 in my rankings every week. All right. From the Bucks perspective, I thought this was actually a really good game for Mike Evans. I, I had spoken about how you don't see a lot of cornerbacks shadowing these days. It just doesn't really happen. Well, it did happen in this game. JC Jackson shadowed Mike Evans and he came away with seven catches for 75 yards on 12 targets with Brady having an off day with only 10 fantasy points and no touchdowns. Uh, Godwin, though, I mean, you know, it's a huge game in week one, and then 62 yards and a touchdown on five. Well, how about that? It's just the targets. Five, seven, five targets in his last three games. Yeah. It's a little strange. Uh, should we re-rank the uh, Bucks wide receivers now? Because I think people had Godwin over Evans going in. Do you have Evans over Godwin now? Um, I'll have to take a look at the overall numbers. But yeah, God- Evans has... I mean, his target share is probably right around 21%, if I'm doing the math in my head correct. Yeah, 20%. So it's still pretty low. And this is the problem with this offense is that no matter who's available, I mean, Gronk wasn't there, Antonio Brown was back, but no matter who's there, they're really spreading the ball around quite a bit. And obviously there's enough volume there that it doesn't really hurt anyone in particular. But, you know, Evans having a 20% target share so far and leading the team, it's that's kind of telling you that what we thought was going to happen before the season is what's happening and this is you know more of a situation where they're you know Evans Godwin and Brown are probably all more like 18 to 30 at wide receiver every week and you know there will be a lot of opportunities for touchdowns but you know the the tight ends will be involved the running backs will be involved we know all these things and so there's big weekly upside I think it'll be unpredictable though are you buying a Leonard Fournette breakout? He was only started in 32% of leagues. I, he really, pun intended, carried them to the win. He was terrific down the stretch. Ronald Jones stole a touchdown from him. But 20 carries and three catches. And uh, that's you know his best game of the year by far, 138 total yards. you buying a breakout here for Leonard Fournette? I shouldn't say breakout. Uh because he obviously he's had big finishes in fantasy before. But are you buying a must-starting, a must-starthood for Fournette? Uh, yeah, he was RB25 for me this week. Um, and as long as Gio Bernard's out, I think he's definitely going to be a top 20 to 24 running back. Um, we'll see whether Gio comes back this week, but Fournette's been involved in the passing game pretty much every game. There was one game where he only had three targets and four carries against the Rams, but other than that, he has four targets in each game. Um, and it seems pretty clear that he's ahead of Ronald Jones now. Yeah, he played 81% of the snaps in this game. That was the most for a running back in the Bruce Arians era. Um, Bruce Arians is a mercurial type when it comes to his running backs, and it's entirely possible that Leonard Fournette can, you know, run a route a yard too shallow and get benched. Well, is this the height of his value, do you think? Um, cause he, cause this is his first game with more than 11 carries and they yeah. just didn't have their passing game going, which is so rare for them. So they really had to rely on the running game. The weather was bad. Uh, and, and you know, that's just the way they won the game, but typically yeah. they're just going to be throwing the ball a lot better, a lot more effectively than they did yesterday. So I'm, I don't know that whoever that'll have 20 carries in a game rest of season and no, I wouldn't expect 20 carries most weeks, but we did see a stretch last year where Ronald Jones was getting, you know, 15 plus carries pretty regularly. They did have 16 rushing touchdowns as a team last season. I Do they have any? Uh, yeah. Jones had one last night. Godwin, Brady, and Jones each have one. Okay, yeah. Last so, night was the first running back rushing touchdown. Yeah, so I think 
that's going to be better for him moving forward. And I don't know. I, I think it's probably the peak of his value. And if you can get something for him, I would. But, you know, there aren't a lot of running backs you can trust right now. And yeah. I think Leonard Fournette's kind of close to that, at least. Like, I would I don't would not trade Leonard Fournette for Miles Sanders or Miles Gaskin or anything like that. Um, I mean, Maybe it would work definitely out. Definitely not but, Gaskin. Yeah. Maybe Sanders, but yeah. Um, I think he's in that range now. I think Gaskin's below that range. I think Leonard Fournette's in the Sanders range. I doubt you could pull this off, but if you could trade him for Carson, I would do that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Okay, uh, let's move on here to, to the newsletter promotion. Yay! Chris is working hard on that newsletter. 15 a week, something like that. No, we got, what are we up to? Eight a week? Uh, I believe it's eight per week. You'll get one every day except for Saturday. Um but two you know, on Sunday and two on two Wednesday. Two on Sunday, one in the morning, one in the evening on both Sunday and Wednesday to get start sit directly to your inbox. Um, waiver wire it coincides with everything that we do on the podcast on each day. And um, you'll keep up to date with all the injury news, all the you know various notes and stats that I can find and come up with. So I think it's a very valuable thing. I spend a lot of time on it. And uh, please subscribe. CBSSports.com slash newsletters. We have a number of newsletters, but... Fantasy Football Today is probably the one that you're going to like the best, just based on the audience I'm speaking to. News and notes, Joe Mixon week-to-week week with an ankle injury. Damian Williams uh, for the Bears. Luckily, he's expected to be okay. He's got the bruised thigh, but obviously Montgomery's going to be out a while. So when you look at the Bengals and the Bears situation, which one are you targeting on waiver wire, uh, P. Ryan or Damian Williams? Man, I, I think it's got to be, well, I think it's got to be Damian Williams. I think he's a better player than Samaj Pirine. I don't know. I, Cincinnati's probably a better offense, but I would guess Damian Williams is going to have a, a larger role than Samaj Pirine. I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Evans was taking a lot of the third down work with if Pirine is starting as well. And more, more time, too. I mean, Mixon could, could be, play yeah. this week. And Green Bay, again... The longest run they gave up to Najee Harris was 11 yards. They just they have a good run defense. That's Cincinnati's matchup this week, I think. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, you know, it could be one week, could be zero weeks. I think. Yeah. We're gonna I, go with with. We're still waiting on the results of David Montgomery's MRI. They don't think it's a super serious injury, but you know, obviously, the way he went down, you would think he could miss multiple weeks. Yeah, Green Bay is at Cincinnati and Chicago, and I just. Has the I think Raiders. Williams might play 85% of the snaps for the Bears. Yeah. You know, because the only guy on their roster is Khalil Herbert, uh, a sixth round pick. I would guess they'll activate Ryan Nall from their practice squad, but, you know, he's never been really anything. So I think Williams is going to get a lot of work for mm-hmm. the Bears. Logan Thomas, week to week with a hamstring. Matt Nagy said that uh, Andy Dalton is his starting quarterback when healthy. Fine. Will he's clearly he's not going to do what he needs to do to make Justin Fields happen. He had one run yesterday, in one run and two kneel downs, and yeah, the run he, he wasn't even well. a designed run. I, I'm sure you watched all of his throws. I know you do that. I oh, watched yeah. all of Fields' throws. And I watched all of Trey Lance's throws, and they were very, very different. Fields, Fields was some, much better as a thrower. Much better, not even close. Yeah. Fields made some really good passes downfield. I mean, it was the line. 76 yard touchdown to Debo Samuel. Underthrown. Yeah. Way underthrown. I mean, it was lucky that there was nobody within 20 yards of him because yeah, 
That was completely underthrown. Kittle Kittle should have scored. That was a bad throw, the one that was knocked out of his mm-hmm. hands. Lance was only good when he was throwing basically at the line of scrimmage. Uh, yeah, it he, seemed like one read and one read and go. But if he starts, he might just be a top 15 fantasy quarterback this week. I don't know. He did I, rush for 41 yards and a half. I Yes, he did, but he's... He's so unprepared, and there there will be some interceptions. Not oh, unprepared, yeah. but he's just not ready yet. Um, yeah. Will Fuller's week to week. Let me just run through all these here. Will Fuller week to week with a broken finger, not going to play in week five, already been ruled out. Ronnie mm-hmm. Harrison for Cleveland, safety, left with a concussion in the first quarter. And Jedrick Wills, their left tackle, he left in the third quarter, aggravating an ankle injury. Minnesota defensive tackle Michael Pierce left with an elbow injury. Big injury there. Chicago, I, Khalil, Khalil Mack got hurt. But I haven't seen much on him, but Akeem Hicks might be more serious. He left with a groin injury. That's a pretty big one. There's some big defensive injuries. Um, Washington offensive lineman, offensive guard, Brandon Scherf. He's out two to three weeks with a sprained MCL. Philadelphia right tackle Lane Johnson was inactive for personal reasons, so that meant their offensive line was in dire straits yesterday. Jabril Peppers, giant safety. He left with a hamstring injury. Trent Williams for the 49ers left with a shoulder injury. we got to keep an eye on that one. That's going to be a big one for Lance, starting left tackle. And Tennessee left guard Roger, Roger Saffold left with a concussion. Quick, quick break here on Fantasy Football Today. When we come back, we'll talk about the rookie quarterbacks. We'll talk about breakouts at each position. We'll talk about, what else are we talking about? Tyler Lockett, that frustrating Tyler Lockett. Uh, Cordaro Patterson, that incredible Cordaro Patterson. And even more right after this on FFT. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It is Jacob Gibbs, S-Z-N, as they say. Hey, Jacob. What's up, man? Welcome. Yeah, joining you uh, from bed rest. Uh, hopefully the last time here. Uh, feeling pretty good about my chances uh, going forward. Good. I saw, you know, we, uh, we had you on injured reserve. Had to, had to stay on bed rest for three weeks, but you're <laughs> eligible to return next week. Yeah, I think probable next week to be uh, standing up for next week's episode. I'm pretty excited for that. I saw in the YouTube comments, somebody was like, is Jacob just the lazy analyst of all time? Or am I missing something here? Broken back, really, people. Really I mean, you up. said you wanted to stand up. That sounds terrible. So Yeah, I, I would do I, a show I'm definitely up. lazier than you if you want to stand up. 
Sitting is the worst, so standing is really the only choice. Sitting really gives me a lot of pain right now, but oh. I think I can do standing next week. All right, standing room only for Jacob Gibbs. <laughs> All right, first topic here. Did the rookie quarterbacks show you enough to have faith in their respective passing games? You have to think all the way back to Thursday night. You might forget about Trevor Lawrence, but he looked a lot better. Only threw for 204 yards, but only 24 passes. Trey Lance and Justin Fields we just talked about. And then there's Mac Jones, who won't throw the ball more than five yards. And then there's Zach Wilson. <laughs> Like, Zach Wilson's actually had product like, like okay. Obviously, you if you watched the game, you saw the overtime. He cost them, you know, he could have cost them the game. He underthrew an open player for what would have been a game-winning touchdown, and then he should have thrown the ball away. Like, he's making mistakes. But mm-hmm. when he hasn't played the Patriots, and who did, who's the other team that shut him down? Uh, the, the Broncos. Broncos. Mm-hmm. He scored 21 and 22 fantasy points. He's given Corey Davis a solid game. So it's not so much about the quarterbacks. It's about the wide receivers, I think. I'll start with you, Jacob. Did the rookie quarterbacks, did any of them make you feel comfortable enough in throwing Allen Robinson out there or Corey Davis out there or George Kittle, whatever it may be, for week five? Um, You guys were just talking about it. I was definitely discouraged with how Trey Lance looked yesterday. Um, Not for him, his fantasy purposes necessarily, because I think the rushing will be there, but... He was really erratic as a passer. Um, so I'm a little bit worried about the guys in San Francisco. Um, for Chicago, it was exciting to see Justin Fields finally push the ball downfield. Um, his average depth of target was 13.7 yards, which was the highest of any quarterback last week. Part of that was they're playing the Lions, who have like the highest opponent average depth of target, and it's not even close. Um, so I don't want to overreact to that data, but that is exciting because prior to this, Chicago was like by far the bottom of the league in air yards, even below the Falcons. Um, and so that was exciting. Definitely um, some exciting data points for Darnell Mooney, particularly. But um, And then, yeah, Trevor Lawrence, I thought, looked great. Um, but, yeah, those are the only three that really stood out to me. Chris, the, the combination of Lawrence looking more comfortable and and I, obviously I know it could just go, go to crap next week. That's the up and downs you get. Uh, mm-hmm. Tennessee's on the schedule next week, so that's good. But, but also DJ Chark being out for the season, which is not that we're celebrating. But it does obviously make you a little feel a little bit more comfortable with Chenault and even Marvin Jones. I know he had a bad game, but but yeah, I think it obviously helps. Yeah, I mean Chenault on the surface it looks like a very promising game. Ninety five air yards after he had like fourteen through the first three games total. Um, it's a little misleading because one of those was kind of a broken play that. Um, that Lawrence threw deep. It was really the only deep target he had. I think if you take that one out, it was like eight, uh, seven to eight yards of average depth of target for him rather than 14 like it looks like. So that's something to keep in mind. I think Marvin Jones will be more involved moving forward. He only had three targets on Thursday night. They only threw the ball at 24 times. But yeah, I think you can probably view Chenault and Jones in the probably more like the 40 range at wide receiver, at least until, you know, we see more from them and how they're going to use them. But it's definitely, I think, promising for them moving forward. Trevor Lawrence, I think, is still the the most talented of this quarterback class by a long shot. So, um, yeah, I, I think you can look at both of them as possible starters moving forward. And I think it's going to help help the running backs too, right? I mean, you got to move the chains and have mm-hmm. some signs of life, and that'll help James I Robinson. Lance. Lance will definitely help the 49ers running backs. You saw that this week with, you know, I think Trey Sermon's first run out of a read option play, he picked up 15 yards. I think that's going to really open things up for them. 
whether it's Trey Sermon or whether it's Elijah Mitchell uh, being the running back I, I think for the 49ers. My concern is specific to this game at Arizona, and Garoppolo is mm-hmm. not going to play, so almost certainly. So let's just say it's Lance. You're talking about a 4-0 team. I don't know how good their defense is because looking at the NFL right now, I just don't know how many good defenses there are and if that even matters against a good offense. But if Trent Williams isn't playing and you've got that pass rush and I I could just see a kind of Justin Fields, uh, I I could see a kind of Justin Fields week three type of scenario where it's just an absolute mess for the 49ers. And And then you throw in the fact that the running backs don't catch any passes really except for Juszczyk. I'm not I'm not sure I'm going to be as confident. I feel like the Cardinals might just destroy the 49ers and it could be a absolute mess for them. Yeah, I, I look at it probably with Trey Sermon or and or Elijah Mitchell probably the same way I do like the Buffalo Bills running backs or the uh or Damian Harris or someone like that where it's it's probably more like in the 25 to 30 range at running back you're probably going to need a touchdown to, to really have a good game from them. But, you know, I, I think this offense, the running game at least, is going to be productive with Trey Lance there, even if, you know, Arizona has a good defense and Trent Williams is out. I think all those things make sense. But I just think the threat of Trey Lance's running is going to make things a lot easier for those guys, and it's going to going to help them move the ball in a way that, frankly, I'm not confident his passing is going to do, uh, at least not consistently. I think people are going to start Corey Davis at Atlanta. I think people are going to start mm-hmm. Jacoby Myers at Houston. Yeah. And uh, Jamison Crowder at Atlanta. Jamison Crowder, I mean, sure. All he does is earn targets. Every time he's on the field, he gets a bunch of targets. It's a different offense. It wasn't Adam Gase, but he still was a big part of their offense and even had a had like a deep-ish catch, right? It was like a 32-yarder on the touchdown. So, yeah, I, I was... I, I think Zach Wilson's okay. I don't know if... The offensive line is good enough, but I he's feisty. He is. He's a fighter. All right, let's go to our next question. It's from Randy Mallow for which player or players at each position is best positioned for a rest of season breakout? Jacob, give me some rest of season breakouts. Uh, So two of these guys are actually attached to rookie quarterbacks. We kind of hinted at um, each of them already, but one is Jacoby Myers. Um, and so this is a stat I tweeted earlier. He didn't become a starter until week seven last year. And from that point on, he has a 28.4% target share, which is Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs are the only ones that are higher than that. And we've seen him get double-digit targets in each of the past two games. Um, I believe his air yard share is up above 30% as well. Um, so just really, I think everyone in the fantasy community has kind of come around Jacoby Myers now and understands just like how ridiculous the targets are for him. Um, but I don't know if if his perception is is really like as high as it should be among like mainstream fantasy players because he still hasn't scored a touchdown, which is, is just insane with all the targets he's had. Um, so he's the first one. And then Darnell Mooney, um, I don't know what to expect here. It seems like Allen Robinson has to get more involved, but Mooney's led the Bears in targets in each of the past three weeks. And during that time, he ranks eighth um, in the NFL in target share, 32%. Um, and he's seventh in air yardage share at 47%. So those are really, really dominant rate stats. Um, and if we see, you know, Chicago's passing offense improve at all, um, if last week is, you know, to be believed in at all, then that's really exciting for Mooney for sure. I have trouble, though, calling... I, I have trouble picking breakouts on 
offenses that I don't trust. Right. Passing off, you know, because the rookie quarterbacks are going to struggle and you know, from time to time, I'm not saying they're going to be bad every game, but I don't know. Like the, like the guys that I had, or I think are higher end, I think we just approached this differently, but mm-hmm. Jamar Chase and Devonte Smith, I know the math, there's a math problem with Jamar Chase, pass attempts and target share and all that stuff, but I'm still just so blown away by how good he is in the first four games of his career. He's so good. He really, it seems like he can do it all on the football field and his acceleration, his speed is ridiculous. So I think there's a chance he's even better than I thought he would be in the first four games of his career. The next 13, sorry, I have to adjust to the schedule. The next 13 games, who knows what's in store for him. And then Devontae Smith gets a ton of air yards, gets a ton of target share, a high target share. Mm-hmm. Um, they throw the ball. They're not a running team, really. Yeah. Uh, um, so those are guys. I'm not saying that Jacob is is telling you to, to get Darnell Mooney over uh, right. those guys. But I, I love those end, guys. I just wanted to give some more kind of obscure names, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, that's those good. Are both great picks. That's good, yeah. But I, I think uh, it's it's really impressive what these two rookies have done so far, mm-hmm. considering yeah. what we usually see from rookie receivers. It bodes well going forward. Yeah, I, I think Jamar Chase would probably still be like, number two or number three in target share for them moving forward. That would be my guess, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, he's, he was a generational talent right. at wide as, as a prospect, like his, his prospect profile was as good as anyone in the last decade, really. And so the fact that he's come out and had this strong performance, even acknowledging that it's not sustainable, you know, he's not going to keep scoring a touchdown uh, once every six targets or whatever he's on pace for right now. But, he clearly fits. You know, the, mm. the prospect profile wasn't a fluke. Right. Um, uh, Chris, give me a couple of, give me a quarterback breakout. Well, let, how about the guy throwing it to Jamar Chase? You know, Joe Burrow is only QB 16 in four point for passing touchdown league, maybe a little higher in, in six point, but I do think the pass volume is going to be there. He's averaging 27 pass attempts per game right now. I think that has to go up, especially with Joe Mixon out. I don't think they're just going to give Samaj P. Ryan 20 carries a week. So I think, you know, Joe Burrow looking more comfortable, you know, really only had like that, what was it, three passes in a row where he was intercepted against the the Bears? Is that, I, I don't remember if it was three in a row. Three drives in a row for sure. I think yeah. it might have been three I straight think it may passes. Have been. Uh, other than that, he has one interception on 104 targets so he's been really good i think the fantasy production is going to follow moving forward do either of you guys think sam darnold or daniel jones could be a 2021 breakout man daniel jones is playing really really well like not even just for fantasy (laughs) he's on pace for 5,000 yards passing and 800 yards rushing on like (laughs) eight yards per attempt per attempt as a passer he's actually now he's playing really really well. well i've i've the, the most hopeful I've been uh, consistently surprising. good. And one interception this year was on a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Yeah. One fumble this year. And the truth is, Kadarius Tony made a big difference. Kenny Galladay is making a difference. I know he only had one good game, but his wide receivers have been garbage. They finally gave him some talent. And the offensive line did all right, too. I'm starting to get like a little kind of excited about it, but <laughs> there's still such a bad red zone team. Um yeah. But Barkley, like Barkley, made a huge play for him in the passing game. They have playmakers now. I think you, I think you should pick him up. Uh, yeah, I think I, again, nobody needs Daniel Jones, but yeah. it might not be the worst idea to have him. 
he's consistently, I think, going to be around 15 at QB for me. Um, I, I don't think he can break into that kind of top 11 or top 12. How are you define? However, you define that kind of first couple of tiers. And I think Darnold, you know, th- there's to a certain extent this is a fluke. He's not going to finish the season with 20 rushing touchdowns like he's currently on pace for. Um, Who do you like better rest of the season, Darnold or Jones? I think, I think Jones. I don't know, Gibbsy. I, I, what do you think? It's Darnold for me, but it's really close. <laughs> All right, let me just to pick up the pace here. How about running backs? And the tight ends, actually, I think is the most interesting discussion. You got like Dalton Schultz and and Dawson Knox, mm-hmm. uh, maybe Noah Fant. He's been really good. And then I'm, I'm even going to consider Kyle Pitts in this discussion here. But uh, running back, you have any running back breakouts that come to mind, Jacob, from this point on? Yeah, Javante Williams. Um, he outsnapped Melvin Gordon for the first time uh, last week, and he just looks really good um i think he's maybe a little bit over eager right now he's maybe not being super patient with finding some holes but like he's showing us exactly what he did in north carolina just breaking tackles at an absurd rate um he didn't get a ton of carries last week because Denver was playing from behind but he broke 71 percent of the tackle attempts against them last week wow uh, he's now third in the nfl and broken tackle rate on the year um and just you know finally to see him get up above 50 percent of the snaps is definitely exciting so um Hopefully Teddy's back soon uh, because that offense did not look very good last week. But um, yeah. but yeah, in terms of just the player, I'm pretty excited about what we've seen from Javante. Yeah, he. I, I think he's going to have to you know carve out like a 60 to 65 percent role to really you know become a must start guy right now. I kind of view him and and Melvin Gordon, you know, in that same like Damian Harris and whoever the other guys we were talking about uh, range, where it's like 25 to 30. If they score a touchdown, they'll be a top 20. Running back, if not, they'll be pretty mediocre. But you know, the fact that he's this involved this early, I think only bodes well. And I felt that way since week one. You know, I thought it was going to be more like he gets thirty percent of the snaps early on, but it's right. been pretty close to fifty fifty. Um, and Gordon hasn't been all that good. He has the one seventy yard touchdown. Other than that, uh, he's been pretty pretty miserable. So um, same with that's the problem. I want to I want to believe this. Moss had, or uh, not Moss, we'll talk about Moss in a second. Yeah. Uh, Williams had like a 31-yard carry or something like that, and what was the rest of it? <laughs> sure. Horrible. I I, uh, I wish I shared your excitement, because the, bra- the broken tackles are there and they're fun, but there are too many negative, run- too many bad runs or insignificant sure. runs, and no clear sign that he's anywhere close to, to out-touching Melvin Gordon. I, you know you said he out-snapped him, but... It's the still, touches are so even every week. It's still a long-term play for me. Yeah, it's still yeah, that's that how I would, patience. Right. Um, All right, I, I'm going to continue to buy high on Chase Edmonds. Okay. I know James Conner is getting the goal line work. They've, you know, that, and that's frustrating. I think they've split uh, snaps inside of the ten-yard line or something like that, pretty evenly. But look for his career. Chase Edmonds is not a prolific, prolific touchdown scorer. He had the one-three touchdown game. Um, but he scored a touchdown once every 25 touches in his career. Last season, it was once every 30 if you want to take the you know, the larger sample size of his biggest role. Right now, he's got 63 touches without a touchdown. If he just scored at last year's pace, uh, he would be QB4 RB. in PPR scoring. RB4. Been, what's that? RB4. RB4. Yes. <laughs> Um, really? And PPA, yeah, yeah, he's catching a lot of passes. That's yeah, sure. it's just he has no touchdowns, 
but he's averaging five yards or five catches per game. He's averaging five plus yards per carry. We know he gets in situations where he's going to be efficient running the ball because it's not obvious running situations. So he's someone I'm going to be buying high on. If he continues to get 15 touches a week, I think he's probably going to be a top 12 running back moving forward. Who's more likely to be a must start running back at some point this year, an extended point? Uh, Fournette or Zach Moss? Fournette, because yeah, I, I think, think he's Fournette. probably one next week. Uh, well, I mean, you know, a sustainable every week starter, a real draft day steal slash breakout kind of, you know. The problem for Moss is this has been the worst running back for fantasy over the last, the worst backfield for fantasy over the last three seasons. In the Josh Allen era, no team has scored fewer running back points than the Buffalo Bills. And so is this early trend where he's scoring a bunch of touchdowns? Is that sustainable? My guess would be no. And if he's not scoring touchdowns, I think he's going to continue to split work with Devin Singletary. And it's probably going to be another one of those guys where you're hoping for 60 yards, maybe 70 all-purpose yards and uh, and a touchdown every week. Okay, tight ends, Jacob. I, I put four in here that are potential breakouts. I don't know if people would even put Fant and Pitts in here, but uh, Knox and Schultz are similar. Fant and Pitts are similar in that they were drafted. Um, but Fant, you know, maybe it's already happening. I don't know. If you were going to bet on one of these guys to be a stud, who would it be? Knox, Schultz, Fant, Pitts. Or how would you rank them rest of season? Uh, Pitts would be first for sure, but I am really excited about Fant as well. Both those guys have been really exciting in terms of their route involvement, the percentage of the dropbacks they're running a route on, um, and then also their targets per outrun. Fant is tied with Dalton Schultz and George Kittle for second at the tight end position in targets per outrun. Um, which is awesome. Um, who were the other two you mentioned? Dawson Knox and Schultz. Hmm. I don't really... It's hard to tell. What, what's been going on in Dallas lately with the target distribution is really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Jarwin's going to continue to be more involved. But um, the last two weeks have been really exciting for Schultz. But still, I think I would take... No, I think I would take Schultz. I mean, there's more scoring upside there. The touchdowns are definitely unsustainable for Knox. But we did see him like Remo routes... He was up to 80% snap rate last week, um, and then his targets were up as well. So that was exciting for Knox. So if that continues, then like definitely, it's just it's been only touchdowns up until last yeah. week for Knox. Yeah, I um, think it's just he, he's you're hoping he's this year's Robert Tunyon. And hey, there's one of those every year. You know, Kyle Rudolph was one a couple of years ago. Like, there's always one guy who scores like 10 touchdowns and ends up a top 10 tight end. But touchdowns are so hard to predict that. I think he's still dressed just like start him, keep him in your lineup, but I'm not expecting him to solve your tight end position. Whereas I think Fant, Pitts, and Schultz could, given the roles that they have in their offenses. Schultz, it's interesting interesting to say that Schultz could. You feel that way because this is a team that's throwing 25 times a game over the last three weeks. That'll yeah. go up. But Cooper, Lamb, they've been struggling. Gallup's off the field right now, obviously. He'll be back yeah. soon. Um, you know, Jarwin still has somewhat of a role. He caught a touchdown. Yeah, uh, I, I, I kind of buy into it with Dalton Schultz, but I buy, but I don't think that he's going to be consistently good. It's pretty hard. No, but there's four of those guys, right, right? Maybe, maybe four or five guys who I think will be consistently good. And you know, we saw bad games from three of those five yesterday. I guess Mark Andrews was probably the best of the 
the elite or sub elite tight ends this week, and he didn't really have a huge game. Yeah. Um, like Hawkinson, I think will be good moving forward. I think he'll be. I mean, he'll be a must start guy, but he's got like an eighteen percent target share this season. He basically looks like he did last year, except the Lions are throwing the ball more, and so I don't know if he's a difference maker. There, you know, there might still tight end position still bad. Is is my point, and so yeah, Schultz. I think he can get enough work to be worth using. Next question is from Matt Johnson. Do we need to start to worry about Tyler Lockett or is it his usual boom or bust? Uh, what do you think uh, about this question from Matt Jacob? Do we have to worry about Tyler Lockett? Um, I think it is usual boom bust stuff from Tyler Lockett, but I just think that the busts are going to be a little bit more prevalent because I, I'm really starting to believe we have enough data that shows that like DK Metcalf is taking over as like the guy, the target hog there. Um, admittedly, this is some selective sample sizing. Some, you know, I guess I'm doing some azer standing here, but since good for you, uh, that's week, the only way to do it, man. <laughs> <laughs> since week 12 of 2020, so their last yeah. 11 games, uh, Metcalf has a 30% target share and a 46% air yard share, um, and he's been targeted on 26% of his routes during that time. Um, and that's truly like, that's an elite rate. That's like Steph Diggs, Keenan Allen type of a target rate. And we now have like, you know, double digit game consecutive sample size of him being treated that way. And Lockett's rates aren't bad overall during that time, but he, he definitely, I mean, he's had the spike weeks, but he has lots of down weeks because like if they're not passing at a high rate and Metcalf is just dominating the targets and there's just not much left. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not worried about him, but I don't think he's maybe, the top 10, top 12 guy that we got kind of excited that he might be after the first two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he'll probably end up close to there in my rankings every week, even though like you have to acknowledge that his chances of actually being that every week are, are somewhat low. But, you know, we've seen him be a must-start fantasy option on 70 targets, which was, you know, obviously not sustainable, but then 110 targets. He had, you know, 10,050 or 1057 yards and eight touchdowns. I think he can still do that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think he's Tyler Lockett still. You know, he's not going to be a 1200 yard guy, but off- he's going to be very valuable. This offense was uh, one I really wanted to see more of, trying to understand what's going on because is it, is it different? Is it really different? I mean, his, you look at Russell Wilson's air yards per pass attempt, they're almost identical to what they were last year. So I went back and they out- are not running many plays at all that's part of that saying. is just they've been so outrageously efficient they're averaging 6.6 yards per play yeah that's what um, i was saying earlier right they, their time of yeah. possession 24 minutes in week one 22 42 in week two 2407 in week three 28 20 their season high in week four there's they have the second fewest plays in the nfl and they're second yeah. in yards per play russell wilson i didn't realize this he is having a career year right now i mean it's the best completion percentage yards per attempt way up like smashing his previous career high it's only four games and not a lot of throws so you know i understand that the more you get the more it'll, nor- it'll normalize or whatever but he's having an awesome year they just need to run more plays and that's affecting lockett he has nine targets over his last two games and by the way three of wilson's first four pass attempts went to lockett in week four and then only two more rest of the game uh but i i don't know i mean i feel like they obviously have to get the ball a little bit more they have to maybe have a better running game but well, and being second teams, to last in plays. running all over them. That's also true. You know, they're allowing 152 yards on the ground per game, and they've had 133 rush attempts against them. They've probably got one of the most even splits in terms of rush pass ratio against so far this season. So, you know, 
I think that'll normalize. They're not going to keep running 53 uh, plays per game, which is where they're at right now, which would be an incredibly low number. I I think that would have been the lowest in the NFL last year by about 50 or 60. I think the Texans were right around 900. That's an 844 uh, snap pace for the season. So I think that stuff will turn around. And I I think Lockett and Metcalf are both must-start guys. I think they're both going to have inconsistencies because of the style of play and the, the kind of targets that they get. Um, but you just have to live with the down weeks with Lockett. You can't try to like, oh, I, he's not going to be good in this game, but he will be good. Like you can't do that with a player like him. You're just, nobody is good enough at predicting that kind of stuff. You just have to live with the ups and downs and, you know, wide receiver production tends to fluctuate. Oh, don't even start with that. Tyler Lockett is that on steroids, Chris? And you know no, that he's he was the most last frustrating year. No, 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 freaking sorry. player. He was last year. He, no, has he always is that like so much more than everyone else in his career. That not than everyone else, but then the average right. wide receiver. Yeah, the consistency is not part of right. Tyler Lockett's profile. That's, that's fine. It's not fine. It's frustrating yes, as hell. It is. You drafted him, so you knew that. No, like, you didn't. You were hoping. You, you were hoping that that things would change with this new offense that was supposed to get the ball out of Wilson's hands quicker. And he was going to take advantage. He had 100 catches last year. He had a, he ran shorter routes. He was supposed to be more consistent. I think where you drafted him, what the inconsistencies are fine. But like Jacob said, if you were hoping for top 10, if you were hoping for, sure. uh, you know, for a different kind of Tyler Lockett, I don't know that it's going to happen. And that's right, what's but frustrating. Just, but if where you drafted him, I think it's fine. It can be frustrating, but it's also not fair to, to get mad at a player for who they're not. Well, I, like you should accept players for who they are rather than who they're not. Well, that was Especially the question. If they're really good, like Tyler Lockett. That was the question. Is this just what Tyler Lockett is, yeah. basically? So, all right. All right. Uh, Jacob, tell me about Cordaro Patterson. Topic number four is Cordaro Patterson. Are you buying it? I love Cordaro Patterson, but no, I'm definitely not buying this production. I think if you can sell him, um, you know, it, it's worth exploring. He has a 43% target per route run rate, which easily leads the NFL. Um, that means he's being targeted on almost half of the routes that he runs, 43%. Um, no one is ever above 35%, really like only one or two players, even top 30% each year. Um, so obviously everyone knows that the touchdowns are unsustainable, but like also he just, he's not on the field enough. He's not going to continue to be targeted at such a high rate. And so when that rate drops, unless his snaps and his routes rise, like you're going to be left with someone who's just really not useful in fantasy. Um, and maybe they will rise, but they're continuing to trust Mike Davis on two-minute drill offense, third downs. Like, they're really not taking him off the field in, like, obvious passing situations or anything like that. So I don't I don't know. I don't think it's likely that the, the role changes, um, but I do think it's likely that the rates drop off. So I think it's time to sell. I mean, he's averaging 4.9 yards per route run right now. Alvin Kamara was number one among running backs last season at 2.2. He's more than twice as efficient as Alvin Kamara was last season. So, you know, even if you think Cordero Patterson is really, really good and will remain efficient, like he's probably 50% over what a realistic expectation for his receiving yards would be right now. And so I think you you definitely have to view him as a, uh, a sell-high candidate. And if you could move him for Amari Cooper right now, I think you should absolutely do that. I, I think you could. That, like it could. feels like you're yeah. aiming high, but people are probably pretty frustrated with Cooper. Yeah, yeah I think you, you can could. move for Amari Cooper. Definitely do that. But I, even yeah. I don't know about. I'm trying to figure out who else. Well, I wouldn't trade him for Miles Sanders. Um, I just I don't see it. Yeah, I'm kind of 
getting so frustrated. I mean, everybody who writes something about Miles Sanders always says, he's so good, he's so talented. Why get... The Eagles apparently don't agree, and I think that about Miles Sanders, but the Eagles don't use him that way, and I'm just I'm kind of losing hope there. Uh, so I wouldn't yeah, do that. I, I agree. The other thing with Patterson, this was his smallest ra- uh, snap share this week Yeah, in his best game. Um, but he was also lining up at a, as a wide receiver. He wasn't just catching balls out of the backfield. Oh, yeah. He, no, the, were, the long touchdown was he was lined yeah. up out wide. He was a wide receiver. So, I mean, the targets per route run, I guess, could exceed what a normal running back would do. Yeah, uh, it wasn't just dump offs to him. He had like almost ten yard, ten as eight dot was almost ten. I think it was over nine. Yeah. Um, the question is, right, well, will the wrap it up increase? here. And the role, that's the other thing. I mean, it's not like Mike Davis has been running the ball so spectacularly. So, you know, it's I, just he's been playing so. well. Cordell has been playing well every week, and it hasn't increased at all. Like yeah. we said, it was the lowest his snapper was the lowest it's been all year. Okay. So it, it might increase, but there's no indication that it's going to, given what we've seen so far. All right, would you rather have Damian Harris or Cordero Patterson? Uh, I don't want either. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have Patterson. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think you could sell Patterson for more right now. I guess I'd rather oh, have yeah. Patterson. Okay, I think I have to end the show. I'm so sorry, everybody. Monday is a day that I need to do things, and uh, we've got some stuff going on at home, and I have to tend to them, so... We have an appointment in like 15 minutes. I'm very sorry about that. I do have to end the show so I can get this posted and published and all that stuff. I know that's weird. Um, I want I want to get to the rest of the show, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's just life. Life is in the way. So um, apologies to everyone out there. Uh, we will of course come back at you next week with another. We'll get to five big topics next time, not four big topics. We'll get to the waiver wire advice you need on Tuesday. And make sure you listen to FFT in five. They will have the reaction to Monday Night Football. They'll get that uh, at 3 a.m. Eastern time if you subscribe to Fantasy Football Today in five. Thanks to Jacob. Thanks to Chris. I am Adam. And we are out of here on Fantasy Football Today. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 